Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. My guest today is Russell Howcroft, successful advertising and media figurehead in Australia. Russell has worked with the largest advertising groups around the globe with a passionate energy for creating market-leading work for his clients. His focus on big thinking ideas and commercial creativity has seen him head up businesses such as George Patterson's and Channel 10, and now PwC as their chief creative officer. You may have watched Russell on the ABC's Gruen Transfer over the past 10 years, where the celebration of good ideas in advertising has been featured in over 100 episodes. One thing that Russell said that resonated with me was, a great idea feels like it always existed. We hope you enjoy the special episode of Design Your Life. Welcome, Russell. G'day, Vince. It's really cool to have you here today. Thank you. Huge fan of yours, and obviously a lot of people who know who you are. Um, you've always worked in advertising and creative industries, and I was wondering, has there been a major turning point in your career? Well, the obvious turning point is uh, getting that job in London. So it's a long time ago now, isn't it? So, you know, I was early 20s and uh, I'd been working at McCann Erickson in Melbourne and I was very fortunate at that period of time because Ted Horton was the creative director along with Chris Dewey uh, and they were having a big impact on advertising in Australia. Uh, the Holden Commodore launch was perhaps the most famous thing that they did, but it was a big, it was a genuinely a big campaign. And my first job, I just happened to work with those guys on the biggest launch in Australia, you know, as the juniorest of junior people. Um, but the the vibe at the time was if you if you don't go to London um, and work in advertising, then no one cares. It was like you just sort of had to do it. So um, I went over to the well, actually I went to Europe um, with my now wife. And uh, arrived in London. Kate said that she was going to go home. I said, well, I'm staying because I had it in my head I was going to stay for five years. Uh, And went to a headhunter that was introduced to me uh, by a famous old ad guy called Mike Strauss. He had an agency called Spasm um, and there'll be people that might remember that. Mm -hmm. The Hard Yakka campaign was their famous one from the 70s. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, so Mike introduced me to a headhunter um, literally within 24 hours, I had um, three interviews, one at Gold Greenless Trot, the other one was at Saatchi and Saatchi, and another one at an agency called Low Howard Spink. It turned out Low Howard Spink that I'd never heard of was looking for someone to work on their beer business, and their beer business was Heineken in particular. turns out that Heineken was the most famous campaign at the time in the UK, and I got a job at what was top three agency in London, and that was entirely uh, fortuitous. And that genuinely changed my perspective on the ad world from that point on. Those of us that were there at the time all say, all say, whether you're 40 at the time or whether you were 24 at the time, that was an amazing period. Mm -hmm. And I did happen to be there. We did a lot of amazing work, uh, won heaps of awards, fantastic client relationships and heaps of fun. It was the back end of the Mad Men era actually, Vince. Wow. And did you stay there for five years? I did. And um, came home. I wasn't really ready to come home, but um, various things happened uh, all at once. In fact, my father became ill. George Patterson offered me a job, and my wife whispered in my ear that she was pregnant. So um, we came home, and um, a couple of years later, my father he pa- passed away. In fact, it's more than a couple. Four years later, 
And uh, in the mail, um, a, a uh, airline ticket arrived. And it was from Low Howard Spink, the agency that I worked at, and it was a flight to London. And I flew over to London. This is a full sliding sliding door moment here, Vince. Flew to London and they, I arrived, they took me out for lunch and they handed me a contract. Wow. Yeah. And that's the sliding door moment in that I went home. <laughs> oh, you went back. You I came went back, back here. Mm, I came back to Australia, came back to Melbourne. You didn't accept it. No, I was working with a fellow called Cesare Leonardi and... Um, Good, good, lovely old ad guy, lovely man, still alive now in his 80s and he had an agency called Leonardi and Curtis and then he and I had started a business that um, we'd called Brand House and so I was in that sort of, you know, entrepreneurial, starting a business. Um, so I was excited about what I was doing here but that is a pretty major sliding door moment. That was, wasn't it? What, what yeah. was it that, uh, what did they offer you? What role was it and why did you turn it down? Um, I was the I was to be the deputy MD. Um, a fellow called Paul Hammersley was the MD. He was on his way to New York. So they wanted me to come in and... Uh, you're, you're in your 20s or what? Uh, yeah, I was probably... Uh, I was probably 29. I may, um, may, maybe, maybe 30. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when you look back at that, young, but... Um, at the time, I didn't think I was young. I thought I was ready to roll, you know. So Paul was a very good ad guy and he was off to New York. So they wanted me to come in underneath him, um, you know, and learn how to do the job for a few, you know, six months, say, I can't remember now, and then take over. Uh, and it was interesting because Lowe's, you, that period that I was there, it was red hot, you know, and I'm not exaggerating, Vince. It was an amazing place to be. Mm. And... I think they were, one of the reasons why they were keen on me to go back was because they knew that I would remember what it was like at the time because mm -hmm. the, they'd become low lintas by then. Mm -hmm. And so culture had changed, the product had changed and I think that they were romanticising what, what was, you know, only a few years back but things had changed quite a lot and so I think they liked the idea of me coming along because I was sort of um, um, hardcore lows over a short period of time I um, became a bit of an evangelist for the business. Wow. Loved the business. It was an amazing business. Must have been a hard decision, then. Um, it's funny, isn't it? I don't even know how. It's just family, home, yeah. new business. Um, London life is not easy no. as well, you know. And so that sort of weighs on your mind as well. So you've got a young family. You know that London life's not going to be easy. You know that really you're going because of you. Um, it's not necessarily a decision which is good for everyone. Mm -hmm. It might be good for you, but maybe not everyone else. Yeah. So all that stuff weighs on you. Um, and, and look, and I don't mind saying, I, may, I wake up most mornings wondering whether that was the right thing <laughs> to do. <laughs> so anyway, there How we are. funny. But, you know, London is still, it, it's still got this creative energy which is very, very seductive. Um, I think it's the best city in the world. I, don't, I, I like saying it is the best city in the world. For me... You, you walk any pub that you walk past, and as we know, there's lots of them. Laughter comes out of every, pretty much every single pub, um, and I like that. You know, yeah. I, I like the fact that they're a little freer with their laughter. Do you have much laughter doing your own business? Is that hard? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's hard, isn't it? How long did you do that for? A long time. I did it for ten years, and yeah. I was um, various partners. And I think when I reflect on that, it was it was fantastic to do because, as you know, Vince, it's tough. You know, every day the um, well, the pursuit of good work, combined with new business, combined with keeping people happy, combined with making sure you're servicing your clients. You know, and I had a thing about, and this has came from Lowe's. I had, I had a thing about just doing really 
great work. I wouldn't lose my mind if the work wasn't good enough, but I'd get really, you know, anxious or you know, I'd be in a bad mood. Um, and doing good work all the time is hard. It's mm. it's really it's really difficult. And you know, I I wasn't the creative director, so you know, I I would have I'd, I'd be frustrated and, uh, you know, it was it was pretty tough. Though again, you look back at the work, we actually did do some really good work. When did you decide to sell that business? Um, the first week you started, or it, did, uh, did, no, you, no, did no. you do it? You know, with the view that you're going to sell it eventually. Or? No, no, I didn't. And I think that that's um. You know, there's a lesson there, isn't there? Um, I, I, I think, I think you actually do have to when you, when you start a business. I think you've got to start it with the end in mind, and I think the end that I had in mind was something that was very hard to achieve, because I had the end that was in my mind was you know like global domination. That is an exaggeration, but sort of only just you know yeah, I had this sort of idea, um, and it wasn't coming quick enough. You know, size and and power, frankly, wasn't coming quick enough. And there was a seduction of um, the big agencies, you know, because it's hard when you're, you know, a we weren't that small. We we're in Sydney. We we're in Melbourne. We we're probably by the end employing seventy people. Mm. Um, but there's always that seduction for me, anyway. You know, low low Howard Spink was part of Interpublic, big network, um, and I like I like being part of a network and. I like knowing people in other parts of the world. So the seduction of a network, I think, in the end became more interesting for me than the my own thing. Did you have to stay on for a few years once you sold? Uh, yes, I did, but not that long. Um, uh, I was working with Tom Malt at the time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and Tom was pretty generous with allowing me to go off and do what I wanted to do. And, th- and then did you move to George Patt? Which by then was George Patterson Wyandar. Um, I went to run that, and that was a great that was a great experience, Vince. Very tough, and uh, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, the, those of us that were there at the time, I th- I hope would reflect on it and say, "Gee, that was pretty good fun," because you know it um, it got a, it got pretty hard. Lots of clients left, lots of very talented people left, and lots of clients left. Um, and so it felt a little bit, you know. Oh, we had to rebuild it. Yeah, right. And and look, two years after I started, we won Agency of the Year. So oh. we did okay. Brilliant. Yeah, very, very good. Some good people. Um, we all remain good friends now. Uh, some good leaders have come out of it. Lots of lots of the Melbourne advertising business has got um, leaders that were from that period. Well, how long were you at uh, George Patts? I was there for seven years. Um, I actually was at – I did George Patterson when I came back from London – um, I was there for a couple of years. Loved it, actually, during that period. And then the entrepreneurial desire, you know, mm-hmm. took over. Um, then went back to George Patterson, seven years, finished up being the the Winder Brands CEO for the region. So, um, you know, reported into New York, part of the global management team with Winder Group. Um, interestingly, you would have seen this week that VML and Winder have um, merged. I was part of the team that launched VML in Australia so that was a digital digital business. They've had great growth um, around the world, good business here in Australia. So that's now, you know, the VML and y is now the one entity, which makes sense, you know, if you're an agency and you've got a digital company, bring those two things together. So it's been interesting to watch that this, this week, just having some personal history. Uh, and, you know, and, yeah, I really enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed being part of a network. Um, it's nice to have the same business card as someone you know, in different cities around the world. And mm. 
um, you know, that's one of the great one of the great joys really of the agency network. Um, did you feel like you know what you're doing locally was on a par with what was happening in, in London? Well, listen. So the 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 low Howard Spink thing is sort of it's more good than bad. The the bad bit is that they were they were crazy relentless about only doing good work, and um and it's not an exaggeration that they That's would, a bad thing. Well, it's hard to do, right? Yeah, yeah. So and it can become it can become annoying really. Um, when it's just so hard to do great work. Uh, so the market there, the market, as we know, it is a substantial market. And so agencies are able to position themselves. And certainly at that time, Lowe's was positioned as, it was, a, it was quite an arrogant agency really in that you only presented one idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the idea that you wanted them to make and you were, you were relentless in the pursuit of getting it made. Um, you were not really allowed to come back to the office without a sale. Right, so if that's your training in your twenties, and the result is producing incredible work, um, that as a style ain't really going to fly in most markets, and so that's where the that's where the tension's been, mm. uh, you know, because I was taught a specific way that does generate great work, uh, and yet that way is quite hard to implement. And what is that? Well, just. <laughs> you know, just psychopathic, relentless pursuit of the idea, yeah, yeah. yeah? and uh, and just also, I think that there's a there's great currency um, around judgment. I think maybe certainly, you know, I don't want to go oh London this, London that, but but there's currency around judgment in that market. Yeah? So there is un- an understanding that if you have judgment, that is something that not everyone's got, and commercial judgment I'm talking about. There is a brief. There's a problem. That idea solves that problem. Let's make that campaign that you know is going to work. That sounds easy, but it's not easy. There's a skill to it. There's a certain um, chameleon part to it as well. I think, uh, and you know, I've always enjoyed that 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 pursuit, the pursuit of the of getting the idea done. From from your perspective, because it, you've come from, because you didn't train as a designer. I think you can't. Nope. You can't. You, but although you kind of. Your, your whole career has kind of expanded since yeah. the days of starting up more on client service. Yeah. How was how your, your approach to that as a CEO of an organisation? Yeah. Were you harder on the people? <laughs> so the way I look at it, my advertising life, I was sort of B-grade. I'm B-grade, but I'm sort of B-grade at lots of things. You know, I'm sort of B-grade at an art, being an art director or B-grade at being a writer or planning or, you know, account handling. I sort of had an empathy. An empathy, maybe, is a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. An empathy with each of the, each of the elements that create an idea. Yeah. Um, and I would get very excited about good ideas. I think what happened when I was the CEO of an agency was there was a, a desire, a desire to um, create that joy. You know, so the joy that great ideas can bring. I think everyone in the organisation just we're all pursuing that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a, there's an acceptance that that's hard to do. It's very very hard to do, um, but it doesn't mean that you let the you know you let gravity win. You gotta that that's that's when it's sort of all over, right? If you if you let gravity win, if you're always just doing B grade C grade stuff, or if you just you know as I used to say, can we just not fill space? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just filling space, there's just no there's just no joy in that, Vince. Um, yep. And so hopefully, I mean. 
I'm not sure what my colleagues would say about it, but I, hopefully they would say that that I just liked the pursuit of a good idea. Um, and I would hope that my clients would say, well, he did have our best interests at heart. And I, I, I've always wanted good ideas for clients. I think this is, you know, this is a very important distinction. The, the good idea is designed for them to be more successful and all you want as a professional advertising person is the client's success because mm-hmm. that then should lead to more success for your business. Yeah. And that transaction is, it should be simple. Unfortunately, it's not. Why do advertising agencies go in and out of, you know, importance or, or not fashion, but in terms of like how come there are, you said with that previous job, George Patterson's, it was like you came in and you had to build it back up again. Yeah. And probably since, obviously, since you left over the years, it's gone up and down. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a lot of agencies do. Yeah. Why is that? Isn't it bizarre? If, you, if you'd stayed there, would it have been continually up? I, well, once, I don't once you got it to I'd like to think position. so, Vince. <laughs> I don't know the answer. But I, I, I think, you see, it's, it's unfashionable to repeat the same idea. Mm-hmm. It's unfashionable to do the same thing day in, day out. Yeah. And yet that's what you should do. Yeah. So great brands are built over a long period of time. And in the main, it's about being consistent, it's about being relentless, it's about doing the same thing day in, day out. Now, you change it, you know, like fashion changes and um, just like fashion changes, how you communicate your brand should change, but the body itself remains the same, you know. So I think we we get it wrong when we're always pursuing new and clients, of course, pursue new as well. So I, I would get enormously frustrated when a client would think that there was something shinier elsewhere, when in fact all they re- all they really needed to do was get close to their agency, work with the professionals that they're working with, because those professionals are as good as the ones across the street, mm. work with them, partner with them, um, and create a long term legacy and long term a long term experience. And um, that's that's what you should pursue. Well, that constant kind of transient approach. It's, it's the staff, isn't it? The staff's kind of following what is the latest, hottest yeah. agency, et cetera. I mean, that's exhausting. It is exhausting. That. Well, and the way I sort of describe it is, um, you know, like get the old party balloon. So, you know, you get a party, you blow up the party balloon and you don't tie it off, let it go. Obviously, huge amounts of energy in that idea, massive energy, but in the end, gravity gets you, <laughs> right? And yeah. and it's sort of forgotten, right? Yeah, fizzles out. Fizzles out. Blah, blah. But, yeah. you know, like... Good, good advertising or good, good design, good communication. Yeah. Blow the balloon up, tie the knot, and then play the game that you played as a kid. Don't let the balloon hit the ground. Just continuously give it a tap along mm. as you go. That that creates long term sustained success. I think a lot, a lot of what we do is we pursue the party balloon that we don't tie off, yeah. and we should try not to do that. Just pursue the. It's a boring. What I'm saying is boring, but I think it's right. How do you how do you maintain uh, a creative culture in an organisation then? Yeah. Well, of course, you've got to find you've got to find those new opportunities. You've got to always find, you know, the talent. You know, that's really critical. Get excited about new young talent. Mm-hmm. I think there's a great opportunity now as as the sort of the businesses as these creative businesses mature. I mean like an, an anomaly in the US. Very interesting where it's it is, in fact, you know, it's brand invention. It might be brand investment. It might be taking on a role as almost as the communications manager within the agency. I think there's huge opportunities there. 
and very exciting opportunities. And I think, look, a lot of the agencies are doing that now. They're, mm-hmm. they're finding new outlets for creative. As we know, you know, the, the creative people need to get stuff out. Yeah, it's got to be. They've got to pursue it. Yeah, in an outlet. Yeah, and they've got to find. You got to find the outlets, and you got to um, get excited about them, for them, mm. pursue it. Uh, it it's uh, it's pretty relentless, of course. So you've now become a household name, not through the advertising. <laughs> not, industry, not through doing anything through... any good. <laughs> no, <laughs> no you're, a, yeah, you're, yeah. you're a TV star, man, mm. and everywhere you go, people recognise you. What does that? How did that come about? Well, that was um, through Andrew Denton. So Andrew um, and John Casimer, they um, they had an idea that, well, really their idea was that there's this thing called advertising, which is everywhere, but no one ever talks about. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we talk about everything else that we're surrounded by, but not this thing. And Andrew, I think Andrew in particular, I think he's got a bit of a, he, he likes the, he likes, I don't know that he likes advertising, but I think he enjoys the storytelling you know, and maybe the craft. And then John, of course, is an amazing writer. He's a seriously beautiful writer. And so they had an idea. And, of course, it's an idea that only the ABC could really ever do um, you know, because it's, you know, if you sort of personify Gruen, you know, what is the Gruen? Well, it's sort of, it's cynical, you know. It's like mm. it's attacking the role of advertising. Mm-hmm. So clearly ABC is the, is the right place to do that. And at the time when they were thinking about the show, I was on Virginia Trioli's um, radio show. So every second Monday I'd go into the studio with Virginia mm. and and say blasphemous things like Coca-Cola and Holden and the people at the ABC would freak out because, <laughs> you know, you can't talk about brands. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think that Denton um, and John, they heard that. They pursued the idea of doing a show. I was invited into a screen test. And then they rang me up and said, do you want to be in this show? I genuinely only said yes because if I wasn't sitting there, some other bastard would be. So yeah. it was a competitive decision really. And were you, you and Todd rivals? Well, I didn't know who the hell he was. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's actually quite a funny thing where when the trade press rang up and said, and what about you know the fact that Todd Sampson is in the show with me? And my quote was, who the fuck's he? <laughs> so, Hopefully so, he's listening on this. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. And um, – being there and talking about my great love um, has been an amazing oh, experience. Been incredible. So you, how long has it been? It's 10 years now. Um, we've done our 100, 100th show. Yeah. You crying? No. Oh. It's, the, um, it's the number one show on the ABC every year for the last 10 years. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and it's about ads, right? It's about ideas. Do you think that's helped demystify the advertising industry? I hope so. It, it, it was interesting. I think at first the industry was a bit cautious about it and some in the industry hated it. Probably people in the industry probably still hate it. But the the education industry talk about the Gruen effect mm. uh, and you've got a lot more people wanting to be in the broader, say, comms, marketing, advertising, design business. That, of course, lifts the score that it takes to get in because you've got more, you know, demands high, supply limited. So, you know, you are getting some, you know, really serious individuals mm. uh, pursuing a career. So that's a, that's a really good thing. Um, you've got lots of, you know, small, um, smaller agencies get an opportunity uh, via the pitch, which yeah, is, you yeah, know, on the show. Awesome, it's brilliant, right? Yeah. And, I mean, most, most pretty much, well, I don't know, how many pitches have we done? So we've done 100 shows, so there's 200 different pitches. So, you know, 200 different ads produced by all these great, you know, shops uh, and they, in the main, give... There's a million people watching it every week and every week they get a laugh. 
So it's pretty good, right? Yeah. yeah. And how's, how did that affect your day job? Because did that, that changed the conversation? It, yeah, it absolutely did. Well, if it wasn't for Gruen, then I wouldn't have got the phone call from Network 10. Uh, so that sort of, that, that definitely created that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably if it wasn't for Gruen, I wouldn't have got a phone call from um, Jim Steins, who was the president of the Melbourne Football Club, and I became a you know board member of the Melbourne Footy Club. It's because the TV. So it's it's quite interesting what TV does. Yeah. yeah it, it, what it does for brands, it can do. It does for people, right? It's people know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, and huge and they might they might attribute skill to you, which is you know <laughs> they might think you're better than you actually really are. You're just on the telly. But as a result, stuff changes. I mean, look at what happened to Todd, for God's sake, right? He gets to make his own TV show around, you know, body hack and such. Yeah, that's right. He's on the board of um, Qantas. Yeah. Fairfax. He's Uh, looking pretty fit. He's a fit man, you know. He's a fit man. So he's not doing advertising anymore. No, he doesn't. Which is maybe, you know, advertising's loss. He's pretty damn good at advertising. So you've got a lot going on, obviously. Uh, You've got Gruen Transfer still going. But also recently you joined PwC... As a chief creative officer. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, PwC, uh, of course, is a an accounting firm. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they're not just an accounting firm. Um, a big part of their business is consulting. And um, what we've done is we've created a um, division within the consulting called CMO Advisory, um, which is what it says on the tin. Uh, we are speaking to clients in order to give them a hand with just how complex the this marketing world's become, mm-hmm. you know, imagine being a client, Vince. You know, let's say you've got, I don't know, let's say you've got twenty million dollars. You know, what do you do with that twenty million? Is now a really tough question. It's a really tough question. There's been no growth, so that twenty million that you've got now, you probably had in two thousand and eight. So you're being asked to do a whole lot more with a whole lot less. Um, the argument for growth um, is. It's how do, you, how do you win that argument with the CFO, the CEO, i.e. growth of your budget to get more growth for the company? So there's lots of really tough questions that are being asked of the CMO. So PwC is in a good position to help, help answer those questions. Um, so that's one part of what I do. And then the other part is yep, I'm the chief creative officer of the place, which I partner with a CMO um, and that's the pursuit of, you know, a beautiful shiny brand for, for PwC. It's, it's a... It's, look, my God, it's a powerful brand. Right? It's it's incredibly well-known, you know, top 10 brand in the world. Uh, beautiful business. It's hard to describe. You've almost got to get inside. You've got to get inside the place to realise just how much it touches um, and what it's able to help make happen. Mm. It's actually a very, very exciting place to be. Uh, and it's 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 a very good place for someone like me. You know, they they love ideas and they love getting excited about, you know, bringing people together in order to solve problems and, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's sort of a core part of their business is just that, bring use PwC as a platform and bring all sorts of different constituents in to solve a particular issue. They're working really hard right now on how do, how do we help people with homelessness um, and when they, when they pursue something like homelessness, they won't come up with a standard answer. You know, there will be a very sophisticated perspective on what PwC can do to help um, with homelessness. Were people surprised at that move uh, I, for you? Um, probably, probably. Um, it felt really, it actually felt very normal for me. Mm-hmm. Felt it was a very, didn't feel like a huge decision. Um, ten years ago, surely you would never imagine Well, that's that. true. That is true. But ten years ago, the the marketing, marketing wasn't as tough as it is now. 
um, and the marketing services business is really tough. Um, and so what I, I see, what I think I'm doing is helping get marketing on the top table, helping helping marketing and and the community and communication be a conversation that happens at the CEO and at the board level. Uh, that that's an ambition. I, I want creativity to be discussed um, at the highest levels in all organisations. And PwC does provide me with the opportunity to talk about the power of commercial creativity mm-hmm. to CEOs and to boards. You know, that, that I, I think that's, you know, that's what a privilege, right? Yeah, yeah. To be put in that position. Absolutely. Uh, and hopefully there's a knock-on effect as a result of that. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 it's not like when you're in advertising working with clients or trying to win clients, you actually got their relationships in the organisation. Yeah, yeah. They, they've got very high-level relationships with a lot of commercial Australia um, and they um, are very keen for me to talk to as many clients and boards as I possibly can um, and pursue the idea that, you know, creativity is important, you know, because growth is obviously a really important part of, you know, Australia's mm. now and forever. We need growth. Um, so how do we pursue growth? That's a tough – it's a very tough question. Creativity plays a role in growth. Yep. Um, we need to get a little more hardcore around what do we mean by that and commercialise creative thinking. Um, as we know, we're you know, rapidly entering into the AI world. Mm. Um, the AI world is going to take a lot of, you know, tra- let's call it traditional jobs. Um for example, I saw a AI legal robot um, case study um, when I was at Spikes last week, you know, and it's managed to do what is, I suppose, a clerical, a legal cleric job in four seconds. It would take your cleric, you know, four hours, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what's happening. Yep. That should be seen as a good thing because that releases you to do more creative thinking. Yeah. So. We don't need to be scared about it, but we've got to make sure that we recognise. Okay, so if that if that cleric side of the of the of business is going to be taken over, we're going to have to spend that time doing other things, which hopefully is more creative and hopefully is more creative, building new ideas. It's great. There's potentially a great opportunity. I guess there's there's much more of a science today than ever before around yeah. creativity. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know creativity found on insights, yeah. being based on insights, but yeah. also around tracking it, tweaking it, and improving on it. Yes. Whereas before, you know, clients would want to come to an advertising company or a design company to take risks. Yeah, that's right. But it's actually, is it about taking risks today? It's probably yeah. kind of in a way it's like minimizing risk but maximizing connection and potential. Uh, it, which is so true, which is there's – and you can understand why we've sort of finished up down that path um, because it just makes commercial sense to be down that path. But there is a sadness to it as well, isn't there? Yeah. So where is that where is that leap idea? Can, um, and, can you do both? Yeah, you've got to be able to do both. So let's think about Nike, right? So the most recent campaign, I mean, it's back to hardcore Nike, just do it, right? It's it's back to Nike as a mantra for life, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, is what they built their business off from the 1980s. Um, we haven't seen anything as big as that for a long time. It goes around the world in, in a nanosecond mm-hmm. um, and creates immediate uplift in sales. So, yep, they're pursuing big ideas, but equally they'll be doing the digital one-to-one, you know, uh, the stuff which is a little more bot-orientated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it isn't one or the other. Um, content marketing, there's only going to be growth in content marketing um, and content marketing is cookie cutter, um, you know, just filling space. 
but you've got to just fill that space. You've got to produce as much content as you possibly can. That's just part of the game. But just to repeat myself, that doesn't mean you also don't pursue awesome. Yeah, that, that thing that cuts through and makes people really take notice. What do you think the future of advertising is, advertising agencies? Okay, so that's a big question, Vince. Um, it, it sort of depends on what they look like. Mm-hmm. So there's media agencies. So media, media agencies uh, have got a fantastic opportunity around data um, because as obviously the world turns into just a data-driven world um, and getting consumer behaviour, attaching that data, knowing how to find the, find the consumer, that's something that the media agencies are going to become incredibly good at and they're going to be able to have a fa- fabulous business off the back of that. Because as we know, clients have got heaps of data, but what do you do with it? it we've all had that discussion. Yeah. It's too hard. So they'll be able to, I'm sure, pursue uh, um, data-driven decision-making with their with media and one-to-one marketing and content-driven marketing, what sites they go to, et cetera. There's a huge opportunity there. Um, idea people are still going to be absolutely in high demand. I've got no doubt about that. Um, what I think will happen, as the machines produce work that we've seen before, the opportunity to really break through, I think, is going to be front and centre. Um, I don't know whether you've seen the website Logo Joy. Right? So you need to check out Logo Joy. Okay. Logojoy.com, right? Yeah. So Logojoy.com is a dead set freak out um, because it's an AI enabled logo machine. Oh, here we go. Yeah. yeah. Now, the freak out is that it literally will give you something in about 45 seconds. You go through seven windows. I like that. Bang, 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 bang. Press go. Boom. There it is. Wow. So that's a wow. But really, what does that mean? Well, it means that even more brilliant work is going to be required. So the benchmark becomes their speed and B grade. So you're going to have to pursue slow and triple A grade. You would hope that that's where the opportunity lies. So you've got to pursue slow, triple A. You can't slow it down, though, can you? You've well, got to try. Can you do triple A you've got to try. in seconds? No. Well, some people can, you know, and... Um, of course, experienced people are able to do that for sure. Um, there's just an, in, an instinctive answer and that instinctive answer is probably nine times out of ten pretty pretty right. However, um, wouldn't it be nice if we could find a way to pursue slow and triple A, yeah? Just, yeah? And you've only got, so Vince, you've got one brief yeah, and you've got three weeks to deal with that brief. Oh, my God. How good does would that be? Does that happen be? anymore? No, I don't think it does, but... <laughs> But maybe there's an opportunity there. Maybe there's the yeah. you know, handcrafted, bespoke. Right. Well, it's 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 always of great interest to me that Salvador Dali designed the Chupa Chup wrapper. Right. Yeah, yeah that's true. This is right. So great the pers- brand. right. So it's just a lollipop, right? But they've sold I don't know fifty billion of them off the back of Salvador Dali. So yeah. your the, the your opportunity is to be Salvador Dali, not to be, you know, looking at a freaking Getty image and you know. A, typeface off the internet there's a serious opportunity i think slow down triple a so you were worked with afters and a bunch of people around um working on creating the creativity commission yes which you talked to government about yes. uh, a little while ago yeah and i'm just really intrigued by that do you want to talk yeah. a bit more about that, how that came about well it it came about because um i suppose there's all, all sorts of inputs but not the least of which it's like this in this ai world creativity is going to play a more and more important role. So maybe that's one input. Yeah. Uh, another input is that my son's at a, a school, there's 240 boys at the school, eight boys do art, year 11. Oh, jeez. Right, I'm going, hang on, that, that 
I don't like I don't like the feel of that. You know. Um, so you're saying no boy should be doing art? Yeah. PwC, I'm saying 240 should be doing yeah, art. Yeah, yeah. Or should be doing creative thinking or, yeah. you know, pursuing how do we collaborate for better ideas, right? It doesn't, I'm not saying it has to be art, but yeah. the notion of creativity. PwC is employed a chief creative officer. You know, there, there's a sort of a symbol there as well. So I, I think there's something interesting around um, how Australia works. So in the 1980s, we, uh, we're not winning gold medals. And so we, Australia, the government, creates the Australian Sports Commission, you know? so we've got a AIS. 1990s, productivity, there's a problem in productivity, so they create the Productivity Commission. There's a strong argument to say that creativity needs to be pursued for the future prosperity of Australia, mm-hmm. so let's create a Creativity Commission. The good news is, Vince, that I, you know, we presented it at the um, National Press Club um, and I was a bit nervous, right, because it's sort of a little bit out there maybe. You know, you've got the press there. They can ask whatever question they want to ask and you're saying let's have a you know, government-funded creativity commission. But, you know, I mean, it was all positive. I mean, the only negative question is how are we going to pay for it? So I get that question. It's not really a negative question. It's a <laughs> no, fair question, that's right? That's an opportunity. Yeah. So everything else is like everything else was extremely positive. And since then a number of people have connected and, you know, what we're in the, we're in the throes now of trying to create a business plan. Um, so we've gone from idea to, you know, in the in the development of a business plan now, and look, I don't know whether we'll get it up. Um, it would be a, it would be wonderful if we could, um, and I think that in the context of Australia, if you have a creativity commission, it just sends a sim. It's a symbol, right? It's sort of a it's an ad itself. The government says that creativity is important, and how we operate as a country, I think we need those sort of symbols. Whoever the government is, you would want them to want. A creativity commission because they can look into the crystal ball and they can say, for the good of the country, we need to make sure that creativity is. Re- it's not. So this isn't creativity in this. You know, it's not about um, the arts. Mm-hmm. It's about the application of creativity across the board. There's no time frame on this, is it? I, how do you get this commission happening as, as soon as possible? Well, the good news is that um, the New Zealand Prime Minister, so she uh, made a speech over the weekend, talking about the importance of creativity. You know, in the economy. So it's good when New Zealand put it on the agenda, right? <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Uh, Although New Zealand's very good at creativity. They're amazing, right? Amazing. Pity they didn't change the flag. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, seriously. There's some great ideas. What an opportunity that was. Yeah, it drives yeah. me mad. I mean, we should, you know, that, that's a whole other discussion, but we need to change our flag and so much mm. to do, Vince. I mean, going back to that, you know, kids again, because I think that's really important because I think, you know, a lot of, Doctors, therapists. I mean, I've, I've done a book on designing life, as you know, yeah. and the conversations around helping people to be the best they can be. Yeah, I think they were already that in the beginning. Yeah, and this whole issue of, of this creativity being kind of drummed out of them. That's right. Leaves them with, you know, they've lost their connection with their self, their soul, their their, their freedom of expression, which yeah. should keep growing as you grow older. Yeah, there's a certain and, and you know they got depression. You got situations where they don't know they're not connected with what they believe in anymore. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. all connected. Yeah, uh, there's a certain I think for there's a sense of suffocation maybe. Um, I, I've got the, I do this speech and the opening the opening slide is a flushing toilet, and I just talk about this sort of for me anyway, just an overriding sense of constipation. Like it's really hard just to make things happen. Like you know just to get things moving, we need to find a way um, just to you know. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Hang on, what did the toilet come into? Well, there's this, this, for me, there's just a sense of constipation. Yeah, yeah. And it's, 
We're stuck. Yeah, we're stuck. <laughs> I feel like we are. Right? I feel like, like come on, we've got to get Couldn't moving. Couldn't get any worse than that. There's stuff it? to do. There's big stuff to do. Big stuff to do. And I don't, um, you know, we've, we've just worked on the um, brand Australia um, for Austrade. We've done some work around, you know, oh, cool. the, the, the brand Australia. What does it stand for and how do, we, how do we pursue a commercial brand for the country? It's so important that we do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and again, you know, we don't put New Zealand up there again, but, you know, they do, they've done a brilliant job. A brilliant job with 100% pure, but then also getting their clusters right around industries. Um, they've done a super, super job. It's almost like the country itself has got a business plan. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually pursue that, well, it d- does turn out that Michael Porter, Professor Michael Porter from Harvard, actually in the early 2000s wrote the country a business plan. So, mm. you know. Yeah. Great. Mm. Like you'd chuck a bit of creativity into our business plan, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely think that's the the case. I think, I mean, it's interesting ideas, isn't it? Because going back to uh, Gruen Transfer and the celebration of an idea, Yeah, an idea just gives you, you connect with it, a yeah. good idea. A good yeah. idea that's not designed to connect with you gives you goosebumps. And, make, and if you had that idea, right. it just, your whole body feels it. I think what's I mean, so interesting about them, it? yeah, and I think what's so interesting about them is that once they're, once they're built, once they're made, they feel natural. So... Always meant to be, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, was it hundred ways to die? Was it hundred ways? Dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die. Sorry. Right, exactly. Beautiful campaign, again execution, and and now, I mean, what about the residual value of an idea? So you say dumb ways to die. We immediately know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. the world knows about. The that. world knows what you're talking about. It's so, such a strong idea. They didn't just give up on the yeah. thing that came the easiest idea. They pr- presumably they worked hard at yeah cracking a big idea. That's right, and then crafted it beautifully as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's with us forever. In 20 years' time, you'll say dumb ways to die and immediately we'll know what you're talking yeah. about. So, yeah, I, I, we, it's, it's more interesting, isn't it, if you do things like that? So, hard. But not impossible. No. I mean, do you always go to every effort to, to crack the, the idea at that level? I mean, and some just resonate with people in a different way, you know. Well, so, no, so. I, think that I think they feel natural. Um, so I, I, I've always... I always think that there's obvious ideas. I always, I think that there's always plausible ideas, obvious ideas, um, and they tend to be in. in the, I'm, I would never put myself up there as a highly creative person. You know, I just um, I like creativity. I think I appreciate it. I can, as I said before, I can be great at. Um, I think I know it when I see it. Uh, so it's hard for me to answer that question specifically, other than when I'm in a position to really be the boss of an idea, I will try as hard as I can to make it as beautiful as I can. Mm. So recently we did the um, press for um, PwC, so we created a newspaper. And the newspaper, I think, is beautiful. You know, mm. I, I tried to find people that could make it as beautiful as, I, as they possibly could and put as much money as we could into the photography and made sure that we got people that actually know how to write and have created, I think, a very beautiful piece of, you know, it's advertising, it's a newspaper, but it's 12 pages of ads basically. Mm. And it's um, quite beautiful and I'm proud of it. Do you do you feel that you've designed your life or do you feel like your life is kind of a series of events that have happened to you? Um, I don't I, – maybe a bit of both, Vince. I feel like um, – I don't feel like I've even started. Yeah, I've, I, I do feel like there's more to do. But I don't know that I could articulate very clearly what more to do looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like 
I like pursuing um, new things. I like problems. I enjoy those. You know, I enjoy trying to. I like cultural problems, mm-hmm. and seeing if I can have an effect. Um, so you know, um, George Patterson. That was a bit of a cultural issue that right there. Business problem as well. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Channel Ten. That was pretty hard work, but loved loved it. You know, trying to help get that place up and running, putting putting energy into it. Mm-hmm. When I joined the Melbourne Footy Club, that was five million dollars in debt, and put a lot of energy into that and tried to change its fortunes. Did well at the start, not so well at the end. So you know, I like I like you know finding. Maybe they find me. I'm not sure. You like a challenge. Yeah, yeah, but that sort of sounds a bit trite in a way. I don't know. I just like, I like, um, I like entering into a into a space and trying to have as big and positive impact as I can. I just want to say thank you, Russell, for today. It's been great to have you on Design Your Life. Thanks, Vince. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective.